Amen. So good to see each and every one of you and thankful for your prayers and your commitment to world missions. Amen. For a successful trip uh, to the Philippines that we were just returning from and thankful for all that God did there in the Philippines. The Philippines is probably our strongest work overseas, nearly 400,000 people. Uh, the largest evangelical movement in the Philippines is the United Pentecostal Church International. God is blessing. Amen. We had a chance to minister in their churches and then to spend three days doing leadership training with 250 of their leaders, pastors, Bible school instructors, superintendents, and to uh, teach in a, a session that they call LDI Leadership Development International. They also had pastors there from Australia and Hong Kong and Saudi Arabia and Dubai and Abu Dhabi and just an incredible time to be able to share uh, biblical principles and concepts and we had a mighty move of God. So thank you for all of you that uh, give to our GO ministry that helps us to do this. We're also able to be a part of uh, purchasing all uh, computers. We were going to get computers for all the Bible school students in the Bible school there in Manila, Philippines. But uh, we were able to uh, get iPads instead, which was more favorable. And uh, we were a part of that along with some other churches. So God is good. And we thank you for all that you continue to do as a local church to see the world vision and to see what God is doing around the world. I firmly believe that God blesses us here when we bless his kingdom worldwide. How many of you found that to be true? Amen. But God is good. I turn your attention this morning to Isaiah chapter 24, and I want to read verse 14 and part of verse 15. Isaiah 24, and uh, we want to read verse 14 and then part of 15. And uh, we continue on this theme about the fire of God's glory, and uh, we feel like that God has uh, positioned us uh, for a specific vein that God is wanting to do with this church in these last days how many of you believe the lord is getting ready to come back for this church we're living in the last of the last days amen isaiah 24 14 they shall lift up their voice they shall sing for the majesty of the lord they shall cry aloud from the sea wherefore glorify ye the lord in the fires plural Glorify ye the Lord in the fires. There are fires that we all encounter in life. And somehow we have to learn how to glorify him in the midst of the fires. I want to speak this morning on this subject, the three fires of Moses. The three fires of Moses. Would we... Bow your heads with us together. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house, thankful for your presence and your spirit, thankful for the opportunity to minister. We ask you, Lord, that you would open hearts and minds to receive your word and change us, Lord, with the fire of your spirit. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated and thank you for standing. There are specific events that happen in our lives that are benchmarks they I believe are more than happenstance they're more than circumstance they are providential they are destiny determining they change us they 
They change our course. They alter our actions. They are bigger than us. And somebody who doesn't have a spiritual guide in their life may feel like it's just life. But I believe that these fires that we encounter have a spiritual nature to them. Though they may not be salvation per se, they are fires and they have a purpose. I had such an event at 14 years old, which now is 40 years ago, which is hard to believe. But at 14 years old, my sister, I had an older sister that was sort of like another mother, and she kept a close eye on me at all times. She noticed that I was leaning to one side when I walked. And uh, so she told my parents, my parents had me checked out. They did some x-rays and found out, diagnosed me with something called severe scoliosis, which is curvature of the spine. I spent the next three years in a back brace, 23 hours a day, which is not necessarily something that you want to do at 14 years old. Though I did not realize it at the time, that particular fire had a spiritual nature to it. For Moses, he was exposed to this first fire, which we know is the fire of affliction. Whenever he was in Egypt for the purpose of speaking directly to Pharaoh and calling for the deliverance of the children of Israel. Exodus 9 tells us that there was fire that came down from heaven and it came as hail in all the land of Egypt. Came upon all mankind, upon every beast, upon every herb of the field throughout the entire land of Egypt. And the Bible says that Moses stretched forth his rod toward heaven and the Lord sent thunder and hail and the fire ran along the ground. And the Lord rained hail upon the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail, very grievous, such as there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation, which was a long time. This was the fire of affliction. This is the type of fire that all of us recoil from. This is a fire that is punishing. It is uncomfortable. It feels like rejection. It goes against the grain of our flesh. It afflicts us. The way that we respond to this fire affects our destiny you've heard me talk before of our missionary in the amazon brother benny demerchant who for many years flew little single engine cessnas up and down that great amazon witnessing and sharing the gospel with many different indian villages many of them who had never seen a white man to now there are over a thousand churches up and down that river but there came a time when Brother DeMerchant took off and had with him two workers, one uh, associate missionary lady that would come down to help from the States, and another man who was a national pastor indigenous to that Amazon basin of northern Brazil. On takeoff, they lost their engine. They had gotten water and condensation that had developed in the gas tanks, and they lost their engine. He, 
he circled around to try to land on the water, but they had a crosswind and the waves and it ended up capsizing. The plane that they were in had added a third seat, but they, the Cessna had not designed it where there was an extra door in the back. So Brother Demerchant was able to get out. He dove back down, but he could not get the other two passengers out and they perished in that plane crash. From that time until several weeks after that, Brother Demerchant told me that the enemy would come to him every night and say, I told you, you need to go back home. You don't belong in Brazil. These people belong to me. I told you to go back to Canada where you're from. Brother Demerchant was from Perth, New Brunswick, Canada. He said, now you're killing people down here. You're responsible for lost lives. You're not bringing salvation, you're bringing death. Go home. Every night, Brother Demerchant said, I would hear those voices. And I determined that I would go back home and not bother these people down here anymore. But he said, after about two weeks, in the middle of the night, he said, I sensed a presence in my room. He said, I opened my eyes and he said, at the foot of my bed stood an angel. The angel said, I am a messenger from God. And I have come to tell you that those that were in your plane are in heaven and they are safe in the arms of God. But I've also come with a messenger from the king. He said to tell you, you're where you're supposed to be and there's going to be great revival in the nation of Brazil. He said from that time forward, hundreds of people begin to be saved. Thousands of people begin to be saved to where now there's a church of over 200,000 people in the Amazon basin. But it would not have happened if a man had not stood up to the fire of affliction. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody in this building has had some kind of a fire of affliction. Moses was able to see it firsthand, but his fire had come when he was a much younger man. He had lost his temper. He'd killed an Egyptian guard. Now he had to flee for his life and live in the desert as a fugitive. Everybody encounters this fire. The only prerequisite to qualify for this fire is to just live on earth for a few years. That's all you got to do is just live on this planet for a few years and you're going to get the fire of affliction something is going to come your way the loss of a parent or a sibling the hurt of an accident the sting of a broken home the pain of a health crisis the rejection of a friend this fire is coming to each of us and it is a fire that we shield our face from we attempt to survive it without always understanding the purpose of it And we know that the scripture says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But we can't see how this fire fits into that formula. So we just try to endure. I've come today to tell you that it's a fire and every fire has a message and every fire has an opportunity and every fire is a choice. But ladies and gentlemen, the fire of affliction is not the final fire. It's just the beginning. And if we can put the fire of affliction in the right context, we can understand 
that we may be going through this fire but it's for a purpose and a reason because God's going to make us a vessel of honor. God's going to deposit something in our spirit and something in our heart and we may not understand it, but God is at work through this fire. How many of you in this building can raise your hand right now and say, you know what it is to go through the fire of affliction? This fire is frightening. It's scary. This fire may scar you, it may mar you, but you hear this preacher this morning, it cannot and will not destroy you. I said it cannot and will not destroy you. And it is not going to determine your destiny and it is not going to define you. It will not establish your identity. It is for a purpose, it is for a season, and it will pass. But there is a God that is a faithful God. the Holy Ghost in this house. I don't know what you may be going through, but I've got a God, hallelujah, that's going to see you through, and the fire of affliction will pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Fanny Crosby was born in New York in 1820. She was from a good family. One of her ancestors had been one of the founders of Harvard University. But at six weeks old, her eyes became inflamed. And due to the mishandling of her eyes by a young doctor, she lost her sight. Shortly after this, her father died. Her grandmother would sing songs to her. They would listen to the birds sing early in the morning. Fanny could tell what kind of bird was singing by the sounds that it made. She began to memorize scripture at a young age, memorizing Ruth and Psalms and Proverbs and most of the New Testament. Her mind developed with a precision that was on display with the words that she could quickly put together. She wrote poems that were read before our early presidents and founding fathers. Soon she began to write gospel songs And eventually she wrote over 6,000 gospel songs, many of them classics that'll never be replaced like, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior, Near the Cross, Safe in the Arms of God. Though she did not have natural eyes to see the natural beauty around her, she found beauty from within. For one day she sat down and in just 40 minutes, She penned these words, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchased of God, born of the spirit, washed in the blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising the Savior all the day long. I'm here to tell somebody it's only for a moment. It's only for a season. God's got something good. Jesus. You got to dig deep and say, Lord, your judgments are right. You're creating something 
that is going to last. This fire of affliction is simply burn out all of that stuff that can not withstand the trials of life. And when it's gone, he can make an instrument of praise and a vessel of honor. That circumstances and tragedy and trials and troubles cannot dissuade this vessel from its design, from its divine purpose. That, my friend, is the fire of affliction. But there is another fire. The second fire is the fire of affirmation. This is the fire that draws us in. We're curious about this fire. Moses encountered this fire. It appeared to be a burning bush, but yet it was not being consumed. It was definitely on fire, but there was nothing burning up. Moses was intrigued, so he came in a little closer. There was no one else around. This is a fire that you often will encounter alone. Just you and the fire and God. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 4 picks up the narrative. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. You say, oh, I want to hear from God. you got to pause long enough and turn your gaze toward God. And then God will call to you. You want God to call to you in your busy life. You and I got to stop long enough to say, Lord, I want to hear from you. I don't want to just live this life going through the motions. I want a God, hallelujah, that I can commune with. This spiritual curiosity, this fire, this affirming fire pulls us close. And he said, Moses, Moses. Moses said, here am I. He said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. This fire of affirmation is a holy place. It's a holy moment. God sees that he has your attention. And he speaks. This is the kind of fire that you experience when you linger at an altar. This is the kind of fire that you experience in your closet of prayer. Perhaps as a young person, when you made up your mind that your relationship with God is the single most important thing in your life. Maybe as an adult, for me, it was a 17-year-old boy when I made up my mind at an altar. After hearing an elderly man preach about his two sons that were taking two different paths in life. That I decided at that age that I would give God the first position in my heart. He would have first choice. And this place becomes holy ground. Because God can begin to speak and affirm that he loves you and that he has a place for you in the kingdom of God. So many times we try to define our identity based upon our past. We don't realize that God has a future for us that may not resemble our past at all. You got to learn who you are in the fire of affirmation. Aren't you glad that the Lord looks at us different than we look at ourselves? This 
is a special place. It's a, it's a place of intimacy. It is, a, it is a place that gives you warmth like a fire in a fireplace on a, on a cold, snowy night. It, it draws you in. It's cozy. It's holy ground. Moses, take off your shoes and stay a while. Let's talk. This is holy ground. God begins to speak. I've heard the cry of my people, and I'm going to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians. I'm going to bring them to a land that flows with milk and honey. I'm going to use you, Moses, to go before Pharaoh and to tell him to let my people go. And Moses tries to resist. He goes, who am I? The Lord says, I'll be with you. And they will know that I am with you. He now affirms Moses with giving him a godly purpose and identity. He reveals his own identity. Moses says, who am I going to tell him told me this? I can't just, you know, say a burning bush. He said, you tell him, I am that I am. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob spoke to you and told you, let my people go. You got to understand how this works. God reveals himself. God reveals to Moses who Moses is. There's a mutual exchange of identity, and then there is a purpose that is given. This is the same fire that Jesus had with Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. As they sat around that fire, and Jesus said, Whom do men say that I am, Peter? Well, some say you're Elias, some say you're John the Baptist. Whom do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says, And thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail. This is the rock of relationship. This is the fire of affirmation. The fire of affirmation always includes three things. Identity, purpose, and love. For Moses, it was, you're not going to spend your life on the backside of this desert. I forgive you. Moses was still back there licking his wounds because of mistake that he made as a young man. But God says to him, you're not going to spend the rest of your life on the backside of this desert. I've got a purpose for you. There's a reason you were raised in Pharaoh's house. There's a reason why you were trained in the best schools. I know you've made a mistake. I know you've been back here licking your wounds. But this is not your final destiny. You're going back to Egypt. And you're going to stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go. You got a purpose, Moses. This is the fire of affirmation. God says, I forgive you. Now you're going to deliver my people. We got a mission. And this fire, my friend, frees you, delivers you from the first fire. Because in verse 17, he says to Moses, and I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt. You're not going to be defined by that first mistake you made in Egypt. That affliction, that 400 years of slavery, that hurt and that pain. I'm going to take you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Pezzarites and the Hivites or Hivites and the Jebusites and all kind of ites. A land flowing with milk and honey. There's a future. That's what I love about serving God. There's a future. There's a future. 
For Peter, it was the fire that freed him from the mistakes of the first fire. Because the first fire he had was when he was warming his hands outside of the house of Caiaphas, the high priest. And they begin the trial of Jesus. And he's warming his hands with other people. And they said, hey, we know you. You're the guy that followed Jesus. He oh, not me. Three times he denied the Lord at that fire. And he was beating himself up over it. I go, a fish, I go a fish, and he went out, and he, going back to his old lifestyle, he didn't know what was going to happen, but he knew his heart smote him. He knew he'd messed up. He knew he had made a mistake. But Jesus now makes another fire. This is the fire of affirmation, and it's there on the shore as he brings the crowd in from fishing. And he says, come on, Peter, this is not your final fire. There is a fire of affirmation. And he says, who are you? You're Peter. Who am I? You're the Lord. Good. Now, here's what I want you to do, Peter. I want you to feed my sheep you got a future you're not going to be defined by your mistake you've got a future you've got a mission we've got a cause you are a rock you are the man i've called you for such a time as that i feel like preaching to somebody in this house today i don't care what the devil has said god's got a plan for your life there's a fire of affirmation that god has given you The fire of affirmation will negate the negative effects of the fire of affliction. But ladies and gentlemen, it's the next fire that makes the difference. If Moses got his calling at the burning bush, he got his anointing on Mount Sinai. For the third fire is the fire of authority. Moses goes up on the mountain. The Bible says the whole mountain is covered with fire and smoke. It is in this fire that God speaks and instructs. When he speaks on this mountain, it is with power and authority. He gives Moses the Ten Commandments. It is a covenant of absolutes. It is not the Ten Suggestions. It is the Ten Commandments. It is a fire of certainty. He said, you better tell my people not to come any closer to the mountain he said we told them god we set up borders and boundaries he said you better go back down there and tell them again so moses goes back down the mountain says don't anybody come any closer to the mountain don't even touch the mountain this whole place is going to be holy ground but there is a god that's dealing now with authority and with power and he's declaring some things and we're going to have to get it right he's declaring some things that are non-negotiable He is operating in the power and the authority of Jehovah God Almighty. Ladies and gentlemen, you serve a God who doesn't equivocate. He's not a God that vacillates from day to day. He's not a God that has to get up every day and make up his mind whether or not something's right or wrong. He's established it. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Before Moses can even come down out of the mountain, the Lord already sees that the children of Israel is messing up. They're down there with that golden calf. It said, because Moses lingered, our God, he was only up there 40 days. And the whole camp's backsliding. We don't know what happened to Moses. Aaron, make us a golden calf. They went back to their old false religions that they had been involved in. 
and seen back there when they were in captivity. Bring a golden calf and all this craziness that's going on, all this debauchery and all this sin, dancing and carrying on. And the Lord sees it all, tells Moses, I'm going to destroy them all right now. I'm sick of it. You say, you think God would say something like that? He is God. Sometimes I think we look at God as somehow an elected official with term limits. That we can decide whether or not we're for him or vote for God. God is God all by himself. They used to have these bumper stickers. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Well, I appreciate you affirming the word of God, but this is more accurate. God said it. That settles it. (laughs) You don't have to believe it for it to be settled. Oh, you don't want to hear this. You've been indoctrinated by a culture that wants to preach tolerance and wants to preach acceptance. Oh, I'm telling you about a God that doesn't equivocate. There is a moral code. There is a word of God. There is an established law that if you and I will follow it, God will anoint us with power and authority. I got to hurry before Moses can even come down on the mountain. The Lord says in Exodus 32, 7, go get thee down for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt. Doesn't that sound like parents talking? You need to talk to your son. I thought he was our son. Not today. He's your son. God says, go get thee down for thy people, which thou brought us up. But God, you brought the Red Sea. We opened it up. It was us. You did it. Your people that you brought out. Well, I'm going to tell you what, this is Mount Sinai. Whoo! It was powerful. God wasn't playing no games on Mount Sinai. There was an authority. He said, they have corrupted themselves. Moses said, yeah, but what are they going to say? You know, you delivered them out here and you killed them all in Egypt. And Moses tries to intercede for it. But when Moses comes down out of that mountain with them Ten Commandments, graven by the finger of God, he comes marching down out of that he gets down there close he can start to hear the music Uh oh God had already seen it but now Moses sees it Woo! some foolishness going on down here <laughs> everybody dancing around the cat hear it. He can see it. He's coming down out of the mountain. He's got an authority. He's been in the power of the presence of God. 
Well, this is what I feel like God is calling the apostolic movement to in these last days. You don't have to live in fear. You don't have to live with unanswered prayers. You've got an authority. You've got a power. You can prophesy to the wind. You can speak to the spirit of infirmity. You are a child of God. You have power with God. If the devil's tormenting your house, you ought to get up in your house and you ought to plead the blood of Jesus in every room. Satan, this is God's house. This is the house of righteousness. You ought to go in every bedroom and plead the blood of Jesus. You ought to pray over your children and your marriage and say this shall be a house of prayer. We ain't going to let a bunch of garbage come up in this house through television and the internet and the sound system and the radio or satellite or earbuds or whatever. This is a place that has been designed and destined for righteousness to be proclaimed. Fire of authority. Boy, look how Moses responds with authority and with conviction. He pronounces to the people their sin. And it came to pass as soon as he came nigh into the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing. Moses' anger waxed hot. Oh, I've heard people say, no, you're a Christian. You shouldn't get upset. <laughs> Have you heard people say that? Well, I thought you were a Christian. Let me give you two words. Righteous indignation. I told my wife, I said, I don't know what the deal is, but our culture seems like it has shifted in the last few years. The last two books I've tried to read have got the F and F and F and F and word throughout the whole book. I can't even read. I got to put the thing down and give it back to the store. You can't even watch a movie without evidence. What, what has happened to us as a civilization? We're not even civil anymore. I'm going to tell you what the devil try to do. He'll try to turn you into a bunch of animals. He'll try to turn you into a bunch of immoral beings that doesn't have any power and no authority to God. But I'm here to tell you that God's going to raise up a people that have authority. You're not going to get it without righteousness. You're going to have to declare what is right and what is wrong. You ought to get upset about some stuff. You ought to get upset when people use the name of the Lord in vain. You ought to get upset when people are trying to poison your family with a worldly philosophy somebody's got to be the watchman on the wall somebody's got to declare what thus saith the word of God Jesus help us he took the calf which they made and burned it in the fire ground it to powder strewn it upon the water and made the children of Israel drink of it you want that golden calf yeah we'll put it inside of you that's what we'll do burn the thing Throw it in the water. Now all of you guys go down there and drink it up. How you like it now? Well, 
he's not being a very Christian leader. I told the, sir, the early service, 8.30, I said, I was, I'm old enough, I remember as a kid, you said a bad word, they wash your mouth out with soap. You remember those days? Oh, you couldn't do that nowadays. That'd probably be child abuse. You may be blowing bubbles for 30 minutes, but you didn't say that bad word anymore. (laughs) Anybody other than me wish we could get back to having some morality in our society, in our civilization? There ought to be respect for authority. There ought to be respect for police officers. There ought to be respect for government and community leaders. We ought to get back to a day where we base our actions upon the moral code of God's work. There is a certainty to God comes in this fire of authority. This is a fire that gives you the authority to stand up to sin. This is a consuming fire. Moses stood in the gate of the camp and said, Who is on the Lord's side? Drawing a line. You're either on God's side or you're not. You can't live with one foot in the world, one foot in the church. You ain't going to get to heaven that way. You got to decide whose side you're on. You're not ever going to get God to coexist with iniquity and idolatry and immorality. You're not going to be able to get righteousness and unrighteousness to win. You're not ever going to do it. You got to make up in your mind. I'm going to live according to the precepts of God's word. Whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? Job went through these three fires, and when he came to the fire of authority, yes, he'd had the fire of affliction. Yes, the fire of affirmation. But then he goes to the fire of authority. He'd been to the end of his rope, tied a knot, was hanging on. But then something wells up inside of him. The oldest book in the Bible. Long before there was ever a revelation of a risen Savior, Job says, oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. That they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. I want to say something and I don't want it to just go away. I don't want it to just pass with time. Job says, I'm now speaking from a place of conviction and authority. For I know, not I believe, not the chances are good, not the odds are with us. I know that my Redeemer
Would you stand to your feet right now all across this building? Would you lift your hands? And would you lift your voice even higher? And would you declare with authority and conviction? I know my Redeemer. I love Jesus. 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 Matthew 17, 20, Jesus speaks to his followers. They say, why didn't we pray? Nothing happened when you prayed. It was a miracle. He said, because of your unbelief. For I say, if you will but speak to the mountain. What's the mountain? An obstacle. A fire. Unanswered prayer. Speak to the mountain. And it shall be removed. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. We'll tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost today. I feel God wants to give somebody in this place an authority and a boldness. Something you've been praying for for a long time and the devil's convinced you it'll never happen. But I hear God saying... There's a boldness, there's an authority that he wants to deposit in the hearts and the spirits of every one of us. It may be a lost family member, it may be a sickness, it may be some addiction in the flesh. But whatever it is today, I wonder if you would speak to the mountain and declare with authority and with conviction, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know I'm an overcomer. I know God has got a place and a purpose for me. If you feel like God is calling you to make that kind of declaration, I want to invite you right now. Would you step out from where you're standing? And would you come down and fill in this front area? We're going to pray together as a church. And God is going to put a holy anointing and a boldness upon the church of the living God. Maybe you have questioned even whether you're saved. There is a fire of affirmation that God's going to wrap his arms of love around you. And he's going to remind you one more time. God has called you for such a time as this. It may be different for every one of us. I don't know what it is that you may be facing. But I know a God that's going to put authority in your spirit and in your heart. And we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And when we do, I want you to begin to speak out from the depths of your heart whatever it is that you believe God has given you. And I want you to speak with an authority and a boldness and say, I've been through the fire of affliction. That's why I know I can experience the fire of authority. You don't get to the fire of authority without going through some affliction. But you've been through the affliction and you're still here. I said, you've been through the affliction and you're still here. God has reminded you through the fire of affirmation. 
that you've not wasted one prayer. You've never wasted one time that you came to the house of God. But now you're on the mountain of authority. Now you're on the mountain of certainty. Now there is a word that God is putting in your spirit right now. And when we pray, whatever it is, I want you to speak it out in the name of Jesus. And I want you to begin to say, I declare my victory. Whatever the situation may be, would you lift up your hands now? By the authority of the Word of God. By the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And by the power of the name of Jesus Christ. I pray with authority, God, that every mountain would be removed and that your people with boldness and anointing would speak the word of faith. I declare it, I proclaim it, and I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you lift your voice now? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord. 